Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me this evening is Caleb Jenks, all the way down in Waco, Texas. Caleb, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. It sounded like your voice dropped about, I don't know, at least three and a half <laughs> steps in the last intro that I heard. Yep, Actually, I, dropped a, a step or two in the middle of the intro. Well, it sounds very serious. I... It wasn't intentional, but I have been battling a little bit of congestion and allergies, so my voice has sounded a little low. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll try to I'll try to speak as manly as I can tonight so to try to <laughs> catch up. To try to <laughs> yeah, I got to I got to match <laughs> my level like, of manliness. Good evening, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast, <laughs> Caleb. Look, I don't have the brains. I don't have the looks. But I have a voice for radio. I've been told that by many people. They said, Patrick, you just have a nice, soothing voice that I can listen to. And I've got the beard. So that's what I have to work with. If you guys can't, if you're not close enough to stroke Patrick's beard, you can just tune in and listen to his soothing voice tonight. (laughs) Oh, man. So uh, how are things with you? We haven't talked in a while. You haven't been on here in a month. What's new in uh, Texas? Oh, uh, it's about 300 degrees on. there yet. <laughs> it's the middle Actually, of May. <laughs> yeah, we, we were gone to some Caribbean islands for a few weeks and we got back and it was it felt brisk here. It was like it, it got all the way down to like 68 degrees at night. Oh, man. So you were <laughs> Actually, sweating yourself little, to it sleep. Was a cooler when we, <laughs> it was a little cooler when we first got back. We're actually we got our ACs running now. It's it's probably I don't know if we've hit 90 yet or not, but we're in the mid 80s during the day and it's sunny and and warm so yeah we've been doing good so you understand evaporative coolers and and most people in that are going to be listening to this around the world are going to be like what did patrick just make something up so an evaporative cooler is this nonsensical piece of cooling equipment that they use in a very small portion geographically of the country and you can only use it in places that are very, very dry. I'm not going to get into it any more than that, other than to say they have to be started up every year. With air conditioning, a lot of times you just flip on the switch or you just change the thermostat and you set it to, you know, the little snowflake icon, you know, and switch it from the little fire icon, you know, for heat in the winter. So anyway, out here in Western Colorado, and Caleb, you'll appreciate this, the joke in Colorado is that <clears throat> you can have the you start your truck in the morning and you turn the heat all the way up and you have mittens on and a thermos full of hot coffee. And then by like noon, you got the windows down, you've shed everything, you're down to shorts and a t-shirt, and you're about ready to put on sunscreen and air conditioning. And that'll happen a lot in Colorado for a period of a couple weeks to sometimes a month or two in between, you know, the summer and winter where it just goes up and down. So I would have the, I am not kidding you, Caleb. I had this one customer and I can, I mean, I could use her name on the podcast. It wouldn't matter. Cause she's like 200 years old and she doesn't even know how to turn on. They definitely internet. don't use her name. Now. Definitely. <laughs> Cause she, she doesn't know how to use the internet. So it, it doesn't matter. But this lady called me and she's like, Patrick, can you come and start my cooler? I said, sure. Okay, absolutely. But I'm driving across town right now. I can't, you know, I can't open my calendar and start looking through it because I'm driving my truck and trailer. You know, let me call you back. 
Um, and, and I'm a busy guy. So when you leave me a voicemail, I don't respond in like an hour. Same with text messages. Like you're lucky if you get a response in a, in a day or two, especially when it's a real busy season. So then she calls me the next day. Okay. And she's like, Hey, we got to get, we got to get on the schedule. I, I got to get this cooler s- started up. And we had like one moderately warm day, like one day where it broke 50 degrees and, and every customer is hounding me. Oh, we got to get our cooler started up. Oh, we got, you know, I got, I don't want to be late. We got to get this thing done. So then her daughter calls me up and she's like, Hey, my mom's really concerned about this. You know, we need to like, we need to get this, this going. And I am so busy and so frustrated from customers calling me, you know, four or five times in a week. And keep in mind, my air conditioning is not on. Okay, we just right. open the windows in the evening, and by the time the morning rolls around, you've pulled on like four extra blankets because it's so cold. So it's like just open your windows and you'll be fine. No one is breaking a sweat, right. let alone dying of heat exhaustion, but you have one or two warm days. So then my mom, who is another you know, older lady, hundred year old woman, <laughs> uh, not 200, you know, but she's, she's, oh, she must, she's she on her way to a hundred, you know, she, she's in her eighties. So she is out at some activity doing, I don't know what with this other old lady, they were like playing cards or they, I don't know what they were doing. Okay. So this lady ca- tells my mom, Hey, I haven't been able to nail Patrick down on getting over to my house yet. My mom calls me up. <laughs> no. And is like, hey, you know, this lady really needs you to get. And I'm like, mom, I'm standing outside wearing a winter hat and a jacket right now. And Caleb, I swear to you, while I was in the middle of talking to her, it started snowing. And I'm like, this old lady, when I'm at her house in the middle of August, she's got like three sweaters on. She must weigh right. 75 pounds soaking wet and it's snowing out and she's like freaking out trying to find anyone in the Valley that can get me to hurry up and call her back so we can get her air conditioning going. So that was my last that's couple of weeks. Week. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's what I've been dealing well, with. Well, at least, at least you didn't have the air conditioner running on on high blast at your house while you're telling your customers it's cool enough they didn't no need it, then, then you wouldn't be able then to i would be a hypocrite okay <laughs> so that's the segue yeah i was trying to figure out where we're going with that i finally figured out <laughs> we still don't have our air conditioning on we have not turned on our ac yes you know we've had some warm days but still it, we open the windows at night. It gets so cold at night that we just leave our windows open and it never gets warm enough in the day to where it even, you know, bothers us. It's not central Texas. That's for sure. Right. So, okay. Enough about the weather. It's, we've been talking for seven and a half minutes. I assume we've chased off every serious yeah, listener by now. Yeah. Talking about snow in Texas. So, uh, Caleb, you picked the topic tonight and you wanted to talk about hypocrisy so i hope this is not a cruel attempt at an intervention where you're going to confront my hypocrisy because i really don't want to hear about it okay so tell me what you're thinking about this subject 
Well, I actually figured I was, this is one subject I'm probably pretty well qualified to speak on since, <laughs> since we're all hypocrites. So I figured, hey, why not give it a shot? I mean, talk about what you know. Talking about it. There, yeah, that's exactly. podcasting 101. All right. Doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. Talk about what you know. Touch on areas of expertise. <laughs> that's it. And then, that's then what you can branch out from there. You sound like you know what you're talking about simply because you can fill airtime. All right, Caleb. So where do you want to start? I have my ideas as always, but I kind of want to give you a chance to give a little introduction here and tell us what you were thinking and what you, you know, what direction you wanted to start with. Well, if you're, if you're a brand new Christian, you can probably just shut the thing off. You don't really need this podcast. This is going to be, if you've been walking with the Lord for about 30 or 40 years, you probably should listen to this podcast because (laughs) it's hard to wake up and not be a hypocrite the longer you've been a Christian. Mm-hmm. No, I was actually thinking about it. Uh, we were, part of the reason I thought of this podcast is we were on our trip to the the islands and I met I met somebody at a Calvary Chapel. Mm-hmm. We went to church on Sunday at a Calvary Chapel and I yeah. met somebody there that has a new, fairly new Christian, been walking with the Lord for a couple of years. Where, what country were you in? Uh, Puerto Rico. Okay, so you meet this gentleman at the Calvary Chapel, and he decides to try to sell you some cocaine. Okay, continue. <laughs> okay, yeah. So no, anyway. So this guy, he, he got saved a few years ago, a couple of years ago, and then he'd kind of been out of church for most of that time, and he's back mm-hmm. in church. And we were having a conversation, and he was just very honest about where he's at in his mm-hmm. walk with God. And it was it was an encouragement to me just to see the freedom that somebody has as a new Christian to to not have there's no expectations mm-hmm. on a new Christian of some sort of perfection or performance and and I I got to thinking about it and and the longer that you are known as a Christian and the more that God starts to weed things out in your life mm-hmm. the more expectations that society puts on you and that you end up putting on yourself which can lead to this position that, that you get in where it's, it's easy to end up taking on this label of hypocrisy or becoming, you know, actually becoming a hypocrite or, or being, being scared of, you know, somebody, somebody brings up something and, and accuses you of being a a hypocrite. And, and it's like this, you know, this terrible cardinal sin that, that's like, you know, you can't, you can't hardly even defend yourself against the topic because that's, that's the, that's going to be the, the go-to line when somebody else isn't, isn't really doing what they, you know, what, what they're, the, the expectation that they're putting on you, they're going to just, their first defense mechanism is to say, oh, you're a hypocrite. Okay. So it's basically, you know, CNN's method or Reverend Al Sharpton's method of, you know, equivalent of calling someone a racist nowadays. Right. Sort of a diversion tactic. Yeah. If if you make any valid point against what they're talking about, they're going to throw the term racist at you as just a great start to the fight. Uh, Just like uh, folks will do a lot of times with Christianity. It's like, well, I don't like what you're saying. And so you're a hypocrite. There you go. And it's this thing where it's like, okay, well, how do I defend against that? All right. Well, the the best thing for me is to be like, yeah, I'm a pretty terrible person. That's why I need Jesus. And the good thing is, is they just pointed out, you know, problems with humanity. They they're obviously sensing the fact that we have a a sin nature. But the, what really gets me is when it's Christians doing this to other Christians. You know, this pointing pointing fingers at each other and saying, oh, you're they're a hypocrite. Oh no, they're a hypocrite. Well, they're a bigger hypocrite than me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Caleb, you're going back and forth. Caleb. So anyways, yeah, go ahead. I have never called someone a hypocrite. I'll call people lots of things. Don't get me wrong. I love accusing people of stuff. Okay. I, you know, I'm not saying that I won't. Okay. But I have never called someone a hypocrite mostly because it's just a cheap shot. Right. It's like, okay, that's really, that's the best you got. It's like, why don't we just start accusing people of being sinners? Oh, that guy's a sinner. Oh, okay. Brilliant. Hey, keep talking. I got to close the blinds. I have the sun setting here and it's kind of shining on me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was actually thinking, uh, what is, when I was thinking about when, when would be the time that I would have been had the most freedom from hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be as a brand new Christian at that point, it's like you come to Jesus, you're like, Hey, you know, my life's messed up. I'm a sinner. I need you. You accept Jesus. And you realize in that moment that you have nothing to bring to the table. You're a broken sinner and that you need Jesus. And then I was trying to think of the times that I, that I probably would have been the most hypocritical myself. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I don't know if I could really nail it down because obviously I hypocritical all the time in, in some way or shape or form, but probably I think the most hypocritical time that I can think of in my life would be times where I was critical or, or pointing out somebody else's flaws. That seems to be, um, when I, when I look back, specifically times where where I was critical of, of, of another individual for flaws that I I myself had those same flaws or the same weaknesses or similar problems maybe a little a little different but you you get hard on somebody because they get caught or something like that and you yourself you know don't pick the beam out of your own eye before you go to pick the speck out of your brother's eye so to speak and so I think we all can actually be hypocrites. But I, in thinking of that, I think that probably anytime that somebody goes to point out hypocrisy, uh, they would stay safest to be like Patrick and just never, never point it out. What's the because point? In that moment, in that moment, you're really, you're really probably the most susceptible to, to actually being the hypocrite when you when you get to that point where you're going to pick pick apart somebody else's life. And of course, there's there is a there's a difference I think between that and preaching against sin and preaching truth and there is a time to actually call out sin or to take a stand against sin but i don't think that it should by by default that it should be well it has to come from a different place uh so anyways yeah i'm not sure that's i think the most hypocritical times in my life was when i when i was critical of other believers that i thought were being hypocritical or that were that were living in sin Okay, so let me let me do this. I, I always like starting by defining terms. Okay. So people claim that hypocrisy is failing to live up to one's own moral code. Do you agree that that's what most people, I'll say, define hypocrisy as? Um, yeah, I would say that there's two definitions for hypocrisy. One would be our perception of hypocrisy and Jesus's perception of of hypocrisy. But yes, for the most part, by and large, when somebody's, when somebody's speaking of hypocrisy, I would say that they would be, would be comparing, comparing you to your, to their perceived standard that they believe that you should be upholding. So they're calling you out on the difference between what, what they believe you preach and what you live. Okay. Now, 
That is not the definition of hypocrisy, and it's not what Jesus defined hypocrisy as. Right. If claiming that hypocrisy is simply someone failing to live up to their moral code. So the idea is Caleb has this moral code. He gets it from the Bible, and he believes these things, and he believes he's supposed to live his life by these uh, these tenets. And then Caleb ends up failing to live up to numbers 5 and 22 and, you know, 18 and 37, okay, on this big long list of all these things that Caleb believes, people would say, aha, Caleb is a hypocrite. That is not the case. If that were, in fact, the definition of hypocrisy, then honestly, the conversation would be over right there because literally every single person on earth is a hypocrite. Right. There's no person in the world that has a moral code that lives up to it without failure. Everybody does that. When Jesus accused people of being hypocritical, he didn't accuse everyone present. Did you notice that? Because there's a couple chapters in the Bible where Jesus uses the term hypocrite, and he's like calling people hypocrites and pointing them out and yelling at them where he uses that term like seven, eight, nine times in a chapter. So there are times when Jesus is just reading these people the riot act and calling them a hypocrite over and over and over again. But Jesus is not accusing of everyone present. He is only accusing a select few of being hypocrites. Right. Jesus didn't think everyone was a hypocrite. He didn't think every one of his disciples was a hypocrite. He didn't think every follower of his was a hypocrite or everyone that he was talking to. But he really let a select group have it. So I'm going to define hypocrisy the way it was defined back in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary. The word was invented in the... I want to say like 12 or 1300. It is one who feigns to be what he is not. One who assumes an appearance of piety and virtue when he is destitute of true religion. So it's the person that is faking, pretending, hoping that you will believe that they are what they preach, even though they are actually not. So I'm going to say, to start off, and I want you to correct me if you think I'm wrong, in order to avoid being a hypocrite, it's pretty simple. Just be honest about your failures. Right. So having, and this is really the point that I'm coming down to, as a Christian, having faults and failures doesn't make you a hypocrite. Being a sinner doesn't make you a hypocrite pretending you are not a sinner makes you a hypocrite and trying to convince people that you have no faults and failures makes you a hypocrite. Do you see a problem with that? No, I don't. And this is one of the superpowers that Jesus had was that he was really the only one that could go around and and call out hypocrisy (laughs) properly because, because I, and I mean, he could have cast the first stone at the woman too, but he chose not to, but he's like, well, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call the Pharisees out for their hypocrisy. 
yeah, that was that was probably for him more important to call that out than to find some woman that was caught in sin and and cast the the first stone at her. Um, now, I'm trying to think of the of the verse, but the Bible says that if any man uh, says that he knows God but he not, does not obey Him, that that man is a liar. Mm-hmm. So that's and the, the very that's the very concept. Correct. Mm-hmm. I should have had that verse pulled up, but that's a, that's when you when you're saying that that's the verse that comes to my mind is that is that here you have religious people pretending pretending to be religious, pretending to to know God, and yet they they're not walking in obedience to Him, but pretend to, to do so. So yeah, I, I would agree that that's probably that was Jesus. Obviously, was very hard on on this this issue. He he brought it up over and over again. You could tell it got under his skin. Mm-hmm these guys that were hypocrites. And so, so Jesus obviously brought it up a lot, but it seems that, I mean, he, he even said, do what the scribes and the Pharisees tell you to do what they teach, but don't do as they do. So there wasn't anything wrong with the, the claim that they were making when mm-hmm. they were preaching. I mean, there was some traditions of man, some, some other things or tradition, you know, traditions of the elders that he was hard on. But as far as them preaching the truth of the word of God, that wasn't an issue. He had Correct. no problem with that. The problem he had is that they were pretending to live up to it when they weren't. Yeah. And, and what G, where Caleb is quoting from is Matthew chapter 23. And this entire chapter is where Jesus points the finger and calls them hypocrites just again and again and again. And if I may read a few verses here, starting in verse one, then spake Jesus to the multitude and uh, the multitude and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses's seat, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe that observe and do, but do not ye after their works for they say and do not. And then he goes on for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So here he starts out by explaining that the scribes and the Pharisees, not everyone present, again, he's just talking about this one group that he's pointing out. They are hypocritical in their rules because they had a two-tiered system of rules. They had one set of rules for the scribes and the Pharisees and one for everyone else. And here, the Pharisees were not willing to do the tasks that they set up for all the regular people. And then Jesus goes on in the next verse, and he says, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. And that is exactly what I was explaining when we were defining hypocrisy. Their goal was their appearance. They did this to be seen of men. They wanted to appear to be holy, even though they didn't care if they were holy or not. And that's the whole idea is that they were trying to pretend to be this great shining example of righteousness and the following of the law of Moses when in fact they didn't really care about it. And, and can I just go off on a little <clears throat> uh, rabbit trail here? Yeah. What a lot of people don't understand because they have not studied uh, history and the Jewish customs and manners by this time, by the time that Christ was here on earth, the office of the high priest was a political office that was bought and sold. 
when you go all the way back to the days of Moses and you go down through the history of the nation of Israel, the high priest was someone who people believed loved God and honored the law of Moses and wanted to do right. By the time you move into the time of Christ and Pharisaical Judaism, the idea of keeping the law really meant nothing to a lot of these guys. It was a political office and rich families were the ones that sought it because there was benefit to that political office. And that's why Jesus is coming down on these guys because they didn't really care that much about doing or obeying the law. They cared about looking the part. They, they, they liked all the benefits of being the high priest and the, the council and being a leader in the synagogues and an important person in the temple. But as far as actually, you know, walking the walk and being someone that was an example of a person who loved God and loved the law of Moses and wanted to obey the Lord and, and worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they really could care less. So they did all these things to look religious and spiritual, even though they weren't. And they told everyone else that they needed to do these things. And that's exactly the problem with hypocrisy. If they were just honest I'm, I'm a sinner. That's the best I'm ever going to be. And, and the Bible says that in Romans 3. It says, there are none that are righteous, no, not one. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good, Romans 10. If people just took on that mindset, that my heart is desperately wicked, who can know it? If we just saw ourselves for who we really are, you will avoid this trap of being hypocritical. The problem is when we try to pretend that we are not those things. When we try to pretend that we are not filthy rags, that's when we can start veering off into hypocrisy. Caleb said it before. I'm going to say it again. There is nothing wrong with having standards. There is nothing wrong with preaching standards there's nothing wrong with standing up and saying thus saith the lord this is god's bar this is what he says is right and wrong we're drawing a line in the sand anything on that side of the sand uh, or on the, that that side of the line is is wrong and sinful and this side of the of the line is good and righteous there's nothing wrong with those things and there's nothing we wrong don't have with to move that we don't move that line when our <laughs> lives don't line up with it we don't move the line to match our lives you got it we don't pretend that we don't live on both sides of the line okay i at best patrick hayes am a sinner caleb literally every single night we have church and i pray you will hear me ask god to forgive me of my sins and I will admit that there are none good, that there are none righteous, no, not one, and that my heart is desperately wicked. And the best I'm ever going to be is a sinner. And I do that because I don't ever want to be one of these guys that thinks that he's something special 
or thinks that he's somehow closer to God because he really is the one that doesn't sin. That's not the case at all. Now I'm still going to preach against every sin. Guess what? Including the ones that I struggle with because that's my job. And that doesn't make me a hypocrite. Now, some people might say that it does and and that's fine. I, I really don't care. You know, there are plenty of stupid people that I run into all the time. Okay. What makes someone a hypocrite is when they pretend that they don't fall short of their moral standards. Not that they do fall short, that they pretend that they don't. Do you take issue with any of that, Caleb? No, I don't. I mean, I, okay. So uh, have you heard of this guy named Ray Comfort? Yeah. Ray Comfort. I've, I've read his books. I've watched his videos. Yeah. Yeah. So recently he was talking to a guy mm-hmm. and this guy was very, very foul mouthed, kept mouthing off to him and wanted to go beat him up Sure. Uh, during this, this exchange. But you know, if you know how Ray Comfort does it, he, he talks to people and then they say that, you know, oftentimes through the con- the course of the conversation, he'll ask them if they, if they're a good person or if they perceive themselves to be a pretty good person. And most of them do. Sure. But then he will ask if they've ever told a lie, mm-hmm. if they've ever looked at someone with lust mm-hmm. or if they've ever used the name of the Lord in vain. And so then, then he, he'll say, so you're telling me that you're, that you're a lying, blaspheming adulterer. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy said, no, 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 don't you say that. He's like, I told you I ha- that I was a liar mm-hmm. and I was a thief. I didn't say I am a liar and a thief. Mm-hmm. And and he made the guy angry because this was in his past. Sure. Right? So he's risen above this, right? Yeah. Well, if you were in a court of law, uh, aside from a statute of limitations, which I don't believe really applies with God, but mm-hmm. if, aside from a statute of limitations in the court of law where you could say, oh, that was 50 years ago and, you know, whatever. Um, that's not a good defense tactic to say, oh, yeah, that was last week, but this week I'm doing better. Yeah, I murdered somebody last week, but this week, you know, that was in the past. This week I'm not sure. a murderer. And the judge would be like, oh, okay, fine, cool. You can go you know, go about your way. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. So so the the like I said, the first the first time when you first become a Christian is probably the most free that you would ever be from this because you're you're very aware of your sin at mm-hmm. that point. But as time elapses and you and and you start gaining victory over certain areas of your life, in God's eyes, he sees Jesus when he looks on you. He sees the blood of Jesus. But he's still you are still a reconciled sinner. Your mm-hmm. sin that was in the past, you're still just as guilty of that sin, whether it was 30 years ago. Uh, aside from Jesus, you know, we, we are still a sinner and, and we still have our sin and our, and our problems. So as you slowly perfect yourself and, and or God perfects you and slowly sanctifies you and takes things out of your life by his grace and mercy. Yes, you become you maybe you you have victory over areas of sin that you didn't yeah. have before, but you're still you're still human. You got it. You're still going to you're still going to fail. So so to acknowledge that, yes, I fail doesn't it doesn't mean that I'm that I'm saying I endorse walking in disobedience to God. That at the, at the point where you say, all right, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to continue to live in sin and I'm going to walk in disobedience to God. At that point, I would say uh, you're, you're probably, uh, I should have, well, I guess you looked at the scripture, but you're, you're kind of at that position where, where, you're, uh, <clears throat> where you're saying that you love God, but you don't keep his commandments, which makes you a liar. Very similar to in. Can John I quote that verse? 
Oh yeah, go ahead. You, the one that you brought up before. It's First John chapter one verses eight and nine. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That's verse right. eight. Verse nine is applicable, but um, it, it's going in a different direction. And then First John uh, four twenty says, "If a man say I, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For mm-hmm. he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God who, who he hath not seen?" So similar situation here. If you have contempt for a brother, which you probably do, if you're calling them a hypocrite, (laughs) it's probably, you're probably, it's probably hard to say that you love God and that you don't love your brother or that you're going to be, have contempt toward them. But I think that there's a, a, a very strong difference between recognizing the fact that yes, I still sin. Yes, I, I still fall short and I need God's forgiveness and and the blood of Jesus to, to, to uh, justify the fact that I'm unjustifiable with outside of outside of the blood of Jesus, it's different to to recognize that and to say say yes, I still have problems. Then then it is to say I'm going to preach truth, but I'm not going to live it. Just because we Absolutely. acknowledge that we don't always live it is totally different than saying, oh yeah, I'm going to preach one thing and live it different. It, which is really what the Pharisees were doing. They were they were living something else, yet preaching truth, but then secretly, you know, living this double life. That's that's the problem was the the pretense but when you're not making the pretense when you st- say i still need the blood of jesus because i'm still falling short yes and i don't want to yes <laughs> that's a totally different you, you absolutely find in a different place it's really just a matter of a truth or a lie one way that they we would lie is we would pretend that we are not falling short that we are not sinners that we are not unrighteous we would pretend that we're good we would pretend these things and that as again as i said is the one of the definitions of hypocrisy all you have to do is be you're gonna say catholic priest sorry (laughs) Uh, all you have to do is be honest and you can avoid hypocrisy you have to be honest about yourself the other the other way that we lie and become a hypocrite is when we come across a portion in the bible and we excuse our own behavior and it's easy to do because it's natural that's what our flesh wants to do is make an excuse for ourselves when we see the behavior in somebody else it's a problem but when i look in the mirror and i see the behavior i make an excuse for it and i don't see that there's a reason to change again i'm just lying i'm lying to myself this time instead of lying to everybody else but that's where hypocrisy comes from as a pastor, my job is to teach the Bible. That's one of the main things I have to do is I have to educate Christians on the Bible. We study the Bible to show ourselves approved. We, we want to learn more about the Bible and learn about God so that we can act like God. We can change to be more like God and less like us. Well, the problem is every pastor on earth still struggles with sin it's not like when you become a pastor, sin just disappears. Now, hopefully, our pastors do a good job of battling sin, and they do a better job than maybe someone who's new to Christianity. But whatever that sin is that that pastor still struggles with, he still has to preach against that sin, and he has to know 
that this message is for me too. This isn't just for all those people out in the audience. This one is one that I struggle with. And you're, if you're not okay with that, then you're going to do one of a couple things. You're going to avoid certain subjects in the Bible because they apply to you and you don't want to hear yourself talk about them. You don't want to be condemned by your own words. Or you are going to talk about every subject in the Bible and you're just going to lie to yourself and pretend that that's not an issue in your life when it actually is. What you just have to be able to do, comfortable with, is saying, guys, I'm sorry, but being a pastor, it doesn't magically make me not sinful. I'm a Christian not because I don't have, I'm a Christian because I have sin in my life and that sin needs a savior. And I worship a God who doesn't sin. But there's no Christian leader in the world. What did Paul say? He said, I'm the chief of all sinners. Paul, one of everybody's favorite characters in the New Testament, certainly one of the stars of the book of Acts, along with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he said that he was the worst sinner out there. He started more churches than I visited in my life. He... He, ha- he has seen more Christians come to church than, you know, he's had more Christians in, in the men's room of a church that he started than my church currently runs any given week. He was one of the most successful people that we model our life after as far as being an inspiring character with a story and a testimony that's amazing and his words were i am the biggest sinner among you and let it me tell you also it probably also helped his case that he started out by killing christians i mean the expectations were pretty pretty low yep. ananias ananias was like uh hold up a second god like this guy's out to kill me and you're trying to yep. get me to go pray with him like there it took faith to even engage with him to start with so yeah i think I think for for Paul, he, he honesty, like you said, honesty is the best policy. And and Paul recognized and continue continued to rest recognize how he brought literally nothing to the table, and and yet God still chose to use him. And Paul called out sin where he saw it constantly. Paul dealt with sin very directly. He confronted it in churches he confronted it in other churches where he heard about it he confronted it in the pagan uh political realm and the judicial system that was crooked in rome he called out sin everywhere he went and he was as he said the biggest sinner did the lord jesus ever condemn him of being a hypocrite did peter did barnabas did Mark or Luke, did anybody? No, he was honest about it. The truth shall set you free. There is nothing wrong. The problem people have is when you run into Christians who seem to think that their sweat doesn't stink, right? The type of Christian who could drown when it rains because their nose is so high up in the air, right? That, you know, they're... <laughs> the rain can 
You, you never heard that one. That's okay. Okay. Those are the people that everyone has an issue with someone. And, and I have, I have it in here again, if you don't mind me going back to, uh, um, Matthew chapter 23, here we read in verse eight, but be not ye called rabbi for one is your master, even Christ and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So here, Jesus explains how to avoid being a hypocrite in the middle of this chapter where he's calling everybody a hypocrite. Jesus gives two examples. Number one, be a servant. Number two, be humble. That's it. That, that's the recipe Jesus gives. If you want to be in leadership, you need to be a servant. That's what Christian leaders are supposed to be. They're supposed to be servants. They're not the head of the table. They're the foot of the table. They're the ones that wash the feet of everybody else. And that, that is how you avoid hypocrisy. Be a servant. Be humble. Be honest about it. They're, I don't know why people are so... Okay, let me, let me go back in my notes because I had a question for you. And I have an answer that I think is, is right, but I want to hear your idea on this. Why do you... Go ahead. Oh, jump so in. Go ahead. No, no, no. Well, jump. There was a, yeah, jump in. There's a scripture I thought of when that I thought explained some of what you were just saying there. So, um, uh -huh. in Romans chapter two, it says, uh, "Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art, the judge, for when thou for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them who." which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that, ju that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Uh, this, this calls into question one's salvation when they, when, to me, when somebody is, thinks that they have to pretend that they're living a different life than they are in order mm -hmm. to somehow achieve favor with God or man, you kind of wonder where, where their, where their assurance of, of, of eternal life is coming from is it from jesus have they really do they really even understand salvation are they are they you know have they have they come to a point of, of recognizing what the blood of jesus does and the freedom that you get from that if you're if you're having to pre live in in uh, hypocrisy or, or, or pretentiousness to pretend that you're not do, sinning the, the or committing the very same sins that you're calling out in somebody else uh the 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 freedom that comes in 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 knowing Jesus and in in being under the blood of Jesus is the ability to say, no, I'm still not worthy. Like like you said, you know, we still sin, we still have we still have problems. We're not we're not above it. But if you don't if you don't really understand the gospel and you're trying to somehow uh, fake it till you make it, so, so to speak, then th maybe that's a good time to come back to Jesus. You know, it's it's a good time to to recognize the fact that that your, your faith is apparently in your own achievements rather than in Christ. And I, I think that that would probably be the case for the Pharisees. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think you hit the nail right on the head. They had no concept and understanding of a need for salvation. Cause remember what was their argument all the time as far as why they were saved and they were right with God. Why did they think because they were, they, go ahead. 
Because they kept the commandments. Yeah. They, they literally said, well, we're the sons of Abraham. Oh, right. That was, all, that was it. They're like, yeah, we're the sons of Abraham. We've been circumcised. We're, we're part of the, uh, we're part of the club. So we, you know, that, that's why we're good. And the Lord continue to say like, uh, you have no idea how this works. You have no idea, <clears throat> you know, don't tell me, uh, that you're the child of Abraham because I'll raise up from these rocks, children from a children of Abraham. You know, that, that doesn't give you a pass, you know? And he said again, when they're like, oh yeah, you know, we're, uh, um, we're, we're the followers of Moses, you know, and we keep the law. And Jesus is like, uh, I was the one that I was the voice in the burning bush. I was the one that called them. Don't tell me, you know, about Moses. I know who Moses was. He was my friend. So they had no understanding. They had no concept of their need for salvation. They thought they were, they were doing just fine. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people today in Christianity, well, I don't want to, I don't want to answer this question until I asked it. Okay. So Caleb, why do you think there are hypocrites in Christian churches today? That's my question. Well, it's interesting that a movement that would be started by Jesus mm-hmm. would come full circle. And now that the followers of Jesus end up oftentimes finding themselves in the same position that the scribes and the Pharisees were. Mm-hmm. And so we're not, it's easy for us to look back and kind of point fingers at them and be like, oh yeah, those terrible scribes of Pharisees. And yet we ourselves, I mean, if you look through church history over the last three, 400 years, there's been some pretty dark things that were carried out and endorsed by church leaders, practiced by churches and, and um, killing other Christians, you know, persecution, things like that, that has gone on uh, by the church. So I think in, I think in a way it's human nature. Uh, Scribes and the Pharisees weren't just some terrible breed of duck. They were Mm -hmm. just, they were sin, they were sinners like everyone else. They just happened to be falling into this sin of hypocrisy. So obviously it's, it's, uh, it's going to come full circle because we are, we're a fallen man and it's a sin. So think of this in the same way, the Pharisees, uh, believe that they were fine because, well, we're the children of Abraham. How many Christians do you think they're fine because they were born and raised in a church? Right. And that's really the best they have to stand on. It's like, well, I've been in church all my life. I'm not like one of those other people. I'm not like one of those you know, sinners that don't go to church. I'm fine. You know, and, and for those people, I would, I would caution them and ask them to read Matthew 7, uh, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out devils? and in thy name done many wonderful works so so hear me folks the people talking to jesus at this point in the last days we're talking about standing in front of jesus at the judgment they number one know who jesus is number two they say that they prophesied in his name okay so that's preach the bible that that we're, we're not talking old testament where it was a special revelation from god a certain message like jonah and amos and nahum got we're talking about they proclaimed the word of the lord so they prophesied in thy name 
Okay, these were these were people that taught the Bible, Sunday school teachers, pastors. <clears throat> it says they cast out devils. Now I know everyone's thinking, well, how does that work? And it says they did many wonderful works in his name. So these are people that served in churches. And in verse 23, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Probably the scariest words written down in the entire Bible. Right. But that was the idea. Christians don't seem to understand that they are, in a lot of ways, no better off than the Pharisees, and they are confused, thinking that they are fine, and they are saved, and they're all set, because, well, I was, bur- I was born on, you know, in the back of the church bus. I was raised in Sunday school. You know, I've been in church every time the doors were open for, you know, 500 years. Clearly, I'm okay. It's like, yeah, you're a moron. You need the blood of Jesus on you. That's what you need. You're not okay. So this week I was. Did you think I was going to get through a whole episode without calling someone a moron? (laughs) Is that what you thought? (laughs) Go ahead. This week. Oh, man. Are we back to your cocaine incident in in the Virgin Islands? What's that? What's this? Because it's it's in international waters, Caleb. You, you didn't break a law. You can just you can come clean on Bible Thumber. So I'm going through I'm going through our hymnal. I actually didn't uh-huh. hear. The, Is that where you hid the, the drugs? Hear the drugs to bring okay. it back to I wasn't America. Sure what office thing was you said? Because <laughs> I was talking over the top of you. The That's all right. Go ahead. Punchline. So, anyways. I'm going through the, the hymnal at our church right now, trying to learn some of the hymns that are in there that we always that I always flip past because I don't know half the hymns in the hymnal. At least seventy five percent for me. Yeah, exactly. Now, now while we're here, I'm just going to say this, okay? We used to sing hymns at our church back when I had a little more time. I'd play the guitar and we'd sing a few hymns. Caleb, I swear to you, we would rotate through maybe, maybe two dozen hymns that's it we're picking the winners and and we're singing the ones that everybody has a chance of knowing the words to so that means in the middle of july we're singing at least you know one um oh little town of bethlehem and silent night (laughs) just because it's like hey everyone knows the words so let's do these two in amazing grace and uh we'll get on to the preaching (laughs) so anyway go ahead so you're in the deep tracks as we call it in the music industry (laughs) yeah so i i got on i got on youtube and was looking Mm -hmm. up some of the some of the hymns and listening to some of them and i came across one of them was sung at the funeral for queen elizabeth okay or whatever the recent funeral they had a few years ago i heard about that and i remember the name of the hymn was one that i like so i hope you're bringing that one up well if i could remember even what the (laughs) was All right. Sorry, I'm derailing you. Go ahead. So anyways, I was watching these people sing, and I actually, I probably can find it here. I was watching these people sing, and, you know, it's a bunch of politicians. It's all the royal family and all these these people and and they're some of them ha- know the words a lot of them really didn't know the words but they're mm-hmm. you know, they're of course it, it's the funeral and they're doing the religious thing for for the day mm-hmm. and so oh man i was i was getting a kick out of it because some of these people i mean i don't keep up with celebrity gossip enough to know a lot about them mm-hmm. but enough to know that 
some of these people have they, they really shouldn't be hanging out in church singing these songs <laughs> like, so so i'm sitting there being judgmental about these sure right out of the gate politicians <laughs> yeah politicians that are that are singing these songs and i was thinking about it you know all these all these years that the church has gone on, and like you said, people that were born in church, that they grew up in church, they spent years in church. They know the words to the songs. They yeah. know the they know the hymns. They know the they know the Bible verses. They know they know how to talk the talk, whether they walk it the walk or not. They mm-hmm. can they can kind of fit in. Anyways, the danger the danger in this is is I think that you'd never there's a chance that you never know. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that you think like 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 these people that you just mentioned that are that are in in this passage there where Jesus says you know you did all these w- many other wonderful works in my name and depart from me the, you that work iniquity so these even the wonderful things all the goodness that you do is still filthy rags yep didn't so, mean a thing it, yeah it it didn't get you any brownie points maybe nope. maybe people looked at you favorably in your life because yeah. they thought you were you know a generous person or this or that but in God's eyes it's still just filthy rags yep so yeah i uh i don't know if i don't know if it's more or less likely that we that we would be hypocrites than the pharisees but i think it's well how often do you hear you it's it's all the time it's rampant in the church mm-hmm. you hear of pastors celebrity pastors people that have these they lived this double life mm-hmm. and it all of a sudden it, you know the whole thing comes crashing down around them and thank god it's not everyone thank thank sure. there are some some pastors that aren't doing that but i almost i almost think that well just don't don't become a celebrity pastor mm-hmm. <laughs> step down split your church start another home church <laughs> don't get in that kind of a position because it's it's not good but uh, i think i mean in james it says uh, that that teachers and preachers are going to be held to a higher standard mm-hmm. and not and not to not to aspire to be not many of you to aspire to be teachers because you're going to be you're going to be uh, judged for you know for the the position that you hold so as a bible teacher I, part of the problem is the fact that you do proclaim the word of god mm-hmm. and it is a high standard and so we are held to account for the the very words out of our own mouth, which in that, in that case, you, you know, you become the prophet, so to speak, you're, you're speaking the word of God. Mm-hmm. So pretty much the best thing is to do probably don't be a pastor. Don't start a podcast talking about the Bible. Uh, <laughs> trying to think if there's any, any other tips that I could give people. Don't be a father of a half dozen children. <laughs> All eyes are going to be on you. Yep. Oh man. Yeah. Well, at least, at least we, uh, there's only what about a dozen people that are going to probably ever listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We're lucky. And most of them are, do not regularly take their medication. So we dismiss their comments out of hand. Anyways. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I have any, any, uh, any real insight on it or a lot of experience with the subject, but my, one thing that, that does stand out to me, if you, if you look at the way that, I, I don't. I definitely wouldn't let it, let other people's opinions or comments about Christianity or about you as a Christian uh, weigh you down too much. If somebody's pointing out the fact that there's some inconsistency in your life, acknowledge it. Be like, sure, yeah, that makes sense. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm a sinner. You know, it's a big deal. Don't get offended and try to give a defense against hypocrisy because, in in a way, um, like I, I heard the the one pastor that said, 
that he talked to somebody and he said, oh, why, why didn't you come to church? And he said, oh, because there's a bunch of hypocrites down there. He's like, well, come on down. There's always room for one more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if that's the accusation, it's like, yeah, we're all sinners. And that's really the right way to look at it. As soon as you get defensive and get on your heels, you lose all credibility. This is why. OK, so this, Caleb, this is a belief of mine. And I bring this up often and I can just tell Whatever room I'm standing in, when I bring up this point, people do not like it. They don't argue with me because if they know their Bible even a little bit, they know I'm right, but they just don't like the idea. I always bring up the idea that I, as a Christian, am a horrible person, am a sinner, am a failure in God's eyes. I am not righteous. I am not good. My heart is desperately wicked. Uh, Who can know it? Uh, I I am as filthy rag. So I go through and like, you know, quote several Bible verses that talk about these things. And I say the best I'll ever be is a sinner, but God loves me anyhow. That's the difference. The difference is not that I magically became clean and that my body is no longer made of flesh. It still is. I'm still a sinner in a body of flesh. I'm tempted by uh, my flesh, by the devil, and by the world. Uh, I suffer from the same lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that every other Christian uh, is um, tempted by and suffers from. And I'm going to continue to suffer from those things until one day when the good Lord Jesus comes to take me home uh, prior to the 70th week of Daniel and the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, When I am raptured, I will be glorified and I will have a new body. And then guess what? I'm not going to have to worry about those things. But until then, I am human garbage. But God loves me anyhow. That's it. That's the difference is that God loves me while we were yet sinners. Right. God sent his son to die on the cross for me. Jesus went to the cross to die for me while we were yet sinners. Jesus didn't decide to go to the cross when he found out how righteous and holy and perfect Patrick Hayes was. He went to the cross knowing all of my dirty laundry, knowing how worthless I am. That's what he went to the cross for. And people don't like that idea. People don't like the idea that they are garbage. People don't like the idea that they are not good. They are not righteous. They are not holy. People don't like the idea that their heart is wicked. People don't like the idea that their best, their absolute best they will ever do in this life are as filthy rags to God. Something so disgusting that you can't use it for anything. It is completely worthless. It is so filthy that the only thing you can do with it is dispose of it and get a new clean one to use because that former rag, nobody would touch it and try to use it for something else. People hate that idea that the best we are in God's sight is refuse to be thrown away but God loves us anyhow. But I think my view on humanity is accurate when you read the Bible. But people now, now let me, let me go back and stop me. If you want to jump in 
but I just want to kind of bring this back full circle to the question that I asked you before, which is why do you think there are hypocrites in the church? So let me give you my answer. And then I'd like your comment on it. My answer is the church, like every other group on the planet is filled with insecure people who are afraid to trust others. People pretend in order to protect themselves from getting hurt. They don't want to be genuine in front of their peers because if they are themselves, if they act honestly and openly about who they are, they are scared that people won't accept them. They are scared that they will be rejected and people are too insecure to stand alone. So they put on a front. And I don't think that the reason is malicious. I don't think they're trying to disobey God. I don't think for a lot of people, they know why they're doing it. They're just scared. They're scared little kids. Tell me what you think. Yeah, I think uh, when you're confronted with the, the sin in your life, you got two ways to go mm-hmm. with it. You can either mm-hmm. uh, try to cover it, defend it, or you can uh, you can acknowledge it and plead the blood of Jesus. Yes, amen. And that's it's humiliating mm-hmm. having to do that over and over again, week after week after week month after month, you know, after walking with the Lord for years and years, and you're all of a sudden in the middle of something, some life choices or some things that you're doing and, and you're and sin rears its ugly head. And you look at your mm-hmm. motives and the things that you're doing and you're like, man, this does not look good. Preach and it. Instead of being, a, instead of being able to acknowledge it and say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. It's easier to pretend like that, that, you know, we just put on our game face and pretend like that doesn't exist in our character. Um, if you look at when Jesus got called out on some things that the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees obviously didn't like what Jesus was about. They were trying to find what? ways to bring him down. So they come after him and, and, and they, they ask, why is it that the disciples, you know, don't walk after the, the manner of the, the law? They, they called it the law, even though it's just a tradition, an oral law, whatever. But they, they uh, don't wash their hands before they eat. Mm-hmm. And they're trying. They're trying to. They're trying to. You know. So accuse Jesus. So of Jesus's disciples here. were twelve-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds so like yeah, my exactly. kids. Well, and they were certainly being treated like, like you know, the, the Pharisees were treating <laughs> Jesus as if he he needs to keep his his children in line here, make yeah. sure they wash their hands before they eat. Um, so Jesus, obviously at this point calls out, calls out their hypocrisy and, and he blows it out of the water. I mean, here they come with this, this, you know, trying to, trying to find fault in Jesus. And it's kind of interesting to me because oftentimes when I hear the bulk of the, the bulk of the time that hypocrisy is usually brought up is not actually brought up by believers. No. Sometimes brought up by critics of the Christian faith. Yes. And they, and they want to use this as a cheap shot at Christianity. And so 
okay, so in 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 Jesus's day, they they found they found that this big thing that was for them apparently was a big deal at the time. Now, who cares if people wash their hands before they eat? Big deal. But back then, we used Purell. Calm exactly. down. Well, I guess. <laughs> okay, but if you think about it, if you think about what's gone on in recent history, mm-hmm. the big whatever whatever society all of a sudden. It, it, the big evils that society names. Okay, so right now, if you look at people that virtue signal that that somehow they're the they're the ones that have the moral compass and everybody else is wrong. Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 biggest cardinal sins that you could commit right now as an American would be uh, to be voting racist, for Donald Trump, transphobic, <laughs> <laughs> racist, transphobic, homophobic. Okay, you name you you name you, you, We've all heard the you know sexist whatever mm-hmm. whatever the latest greatest virtues is that we're all going to be championing. Caleb, right? can I ask you some? Yeah, go ahead. Have you ever met a real life homosexual? Yes. Have you ever met a real life lesbian? Yes. Have you ever been scared of any of them? <laughs> <laughs> How did they come up with that as the term? <laughs> Who is scared of these yeah, exactly. people? Yeah, exactly. Have you seen their parades? These guys wearing thongs and waving feathers? I'm supposed to be scared of them? I'm disgusted. I'm often nauseated. But scared? All right. Go ahead. Yeah, I actually considered. I actually considered <laughs> making a post on Facebook recently, making a statement of if if me saying that I hate the transgender movement and everything yeah. stands that it stands for makes me transphobic, then I guess I'm guilty as charged. But I'm really not scared of them. Yeah. <laughs> I have no fear. Yeah, I have no fear of them. Of course, I hate the movement. Yeah, and I hate everything that it stands for and everything and, it accomplishes, and and, 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 and how it hurts children. I mean, if you have a job where you work for an employer, mm-hmm. you can't say that. If you have a social media account that could get deactivated, <laughs> you can't say that. If you work for the news, you can't say that because you get canceled. Mm-hmm. If you work for, I mean, pretty much any any aspect of life, this is the greatest evil. You can't you cannot stand up against the trans- transgender movement because this is something that's very virtuous that we as a society need to uphold. Mm-hmm. And so, and so the people that are going to be, oftentimes, throwing this. Uh, dart so to speak at christianity mm-hmm. about being hypocritical are oftentimes people that are going to be championing virtues that are actually not virtuous at all yeah you go off of god's moral standard so i i enjoy using that as a fun conversation starter when they start pointing this out to say well what's wrong with it do you, what do you believe is wrong about this well what makes that wrong what mm-hmm. is, what defines right and wrong and obviously they get really uncomfortable right away and they they want to back out of it because you know you it, you, once you head down that road, you have to sit in God's lap to to slap his face, so to speak. Yeah. And they're borrowing from God's moral law in order to try to define what's right and wrong, but yet they're not willing to to acknowledge a moral law or a moral lawgiver. So I wouldn't get defensive about it. To me, when I, I, I kind of, there's so many holes in the argument when it's pointed at Christianity by non-Christians. If they don't actually believe in God, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not upholding the values of Christianity, but then they're going to judge Christian based off of the the values that Christians have. They don't. It, it's quite hypocritical of them to say that there's anything wrong with a Christian not upholding that value if they don't first acknowledge that what God defines as right and wrong is actually right and wrong. Otherwise, who cares? It's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just my opinion and there is no God, then why why you know why are they going to tell me that it's wrong? So it's really, I mean, it's a circular argument when they start trying to define, you know, tell you that what you're doing is wrong by being a hypocrite. Now, it is inconsistent for Christians to, to, to 
preach one thing and to do another, live another. And Absolutely. It's, and it's quite prevalent in, within Christianity. Absolutely. And, so when, and it hurts Christianity every exactly. time I do it, which is why I don't have a Christian bumper sticker on the back of my truck. So when I stick my hand out the window and gesture to you how you are number one, I can drive on down the road with a clear conscience because I did not besmirch the name of Christ. Okay, I hope so. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're claiming the blood of Jesus. May gr- God grace abound, Caleb. May grace abound. <laughs> I would have. I would have fun seeing you stand before God. And, and, no, I didn't have a bumper sticker on my car. No, no, no. There was no bumper sticker. There was no fish symbol. You can check all my vehicles, and then an angel comes in. And they're like. Uh, Lord, that, that is correct. There were there there in fact was no uh, fish symbol on the back of his car, and the Lord's like, okay, you can you can pass. He, he was a sheep and wolf. <laughs> he, Patrick was He's actually fine. a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's fine. <laughs> okay, so it, it it is it is not good every time I fail at being a christian and people see it that's not good we all agree with you okay when anyone that is making that claim we the christians i will speak on behalf of all christians we agree that's no good we're not supposed to do it but with that being said let me make a point and i'm going to read a quote here and i want to give credit to the gentleman that wrote it it's found in the book answers to tough questions skeptics ask about the Christian faith. And the quote is this, Christianity does not stand or fall on the way Christians have acted throughout history or are acting today. Christianity stands or falls on the person of Jesus. And Jesus was not a hypocrite. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. So our, our witness, our witness is obviously damaged mm-hmm. but it does not it doesn't in any way invalidate the belief or the teachings of jesus when when christians fall fall short of it um i'm drawing a blank i had a thought it's okay and now i'm drawing a blank on it um there i think we pretty well covered most of what i what i was thinking of the one thing that i the one the only other thing that i that i I think of as we talk about this. So if you, I have a friend that's a, a licensed civil engineer mm-hmm. and he showed me the bumper or the license plate on the back of his truck. Uh, the, he got a custom license plate and it mm-hmm. says disclaimer. That's his license plate, <laughs> his disclaimer. And he was saying how as a, a civil as engineer, engineer. Yeah. That's all you do is you write just, disclaimers into things. You just write disclaimers into everything. <laughs> so basically people are, People are paying an engineer for uh, for a good word, right? You're, they're supposed to write, uh, give their approval that something is structurally sound and that yeah. it's going to stand up. But but since <laughs> since nobody can know 100, percent you fill your you fill your report with a whole bunch of disclaimers, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that's the only way you can protect your liability. Yep. So in a way, as an expert of as an expert of structural engineering, mm-hmm. you know that your best bet is to overkill everything yeah. and then disclaim it all. Yeah. And overbuild. You still know that. Under promise. Yeah. Overbuilt. Yeah. Exactly. 
under promise over deliver and disclaim everything. <laughs> and that's in a way, in a way that's, that is kind of the backward approach of a lot of, a lot of Christianity. If you want to be a, a successful TV minister or have your, have your church grow, you can't really be honest about like, like you've mentioned, Patrick, you said, you know, Christians are ugly. Christians are uh greedy Christians are dishonest Christian. I mean, all this, all the nasty, gnarly things that you could think of in, in humans are still there in Christians. And when you acknowledge that, that kind of hurts the sales pitch a little bit. Sure. You know, when, when you're, when you're trying to be the answer that the world comes to you for their problems and you're like, Oh, by the way, we got problems over here too. If you can say, Oh no, if you come here, you know, everything looks good. Everything's hunky dory. We don't really have problems. That's a great sales pitch. And and so as soon as you make that sales pitch to tell people that if you come here and, and join us, God's going to sort all of your problems out. Life's going to be great. And you're mm-hmm. going to, you know, God's going to bless your wallet. You're going to be, you're going to have prosperity and you're going to have peace and you know, life's going to be great. If that becomes your gospel or your message, uh, it, it's interesting when, when, when Jesus knocked Paul or Saul down on the road and, and we were, we our devotional in church this morning we were talking about this and how paul paul was d- not trusted by the christians and god, what god told ananias is, is he said don't worry paul is going to suffer a lot for me mm-hmm. that was what god that that was what god had in mind for paul yeah paul's made the christian suffer don't worry he's going to suffer plenty himself um and so if you start making false promises ahead of time with with your mess with your messaging as as a church, you can set yourself up for a slippery slope where where maybe it was well intentioned. You wanted to be you wanted to be the the you wanted to be better than the church down the street. You wanted to be better than the church you left. You wanted to have this going for you, that going for you, and so you start aspiring to these things, or you aspire to these things as, as an individual or as a, as a Christian. And then when you when you don't quite meet those goals or expectations, you just kind of sweep that under the carpet and pretend like things are going well. And so it's a slippery slope that you can end up on where pretty soon you you end up becoming the hypocrite and you, you aren't living an honest life. But I think I think that there's there's so much freedom in in doing exactly what you said, Patrick, where you, where you recognize that I that I have nothing to bring to the table. I'm filthy rags. And anything that is good in me, that's only the mercy of God in my life that mm-hmm. has allowed me to have some freedom over some area of, of sin in my life. The only, the only thing that I have is Christ in me. It, it's nothing more than that. It's still not, if there's anything good in me, it's Jesus. It's not me. Mm-hmm. And so when you can do that, it helps you to stay humble. It does help you because I don't believe that God intends to save us from sin just so that we can continue to walk and live in sin. Mm-hmm. He wants us to have freedom from sin in the, in our life. And he does through the Holy spirit, he does fight sin with us and for us and help us to gain victory over sin in our life. And so we can, we can see, see improvement in our life, but when we see those things, we still, that's still not us. That's Jesus in us. And if we can keep that straight and remember still aside from Jesus, I'm a horrible, terrible, (laughs) wretched sinner. And that, and that's all that I have to offer. I think that it helps. I think that it helps us to, to realize 
our susceptibility to sin still as a Christian. Yes, maybe by the mercy of God, he spared me from some things right now in my life, maybe some addictions and things that he's given me victory of. But that doesn't mean I'm still not capable of falling into this into that same sin again. It's not it's, I'm not I'm no better than anyone else for it. And so humility, humility really is probably probably the biggest weapon to combat hypocrisy with would be honesty and humility, I think. And and for me as a for me as a Christian, um, it's it's very it's very easy when you see God just start to do things in your life and you see God's blessing in your in your life and you start God starts blessing with you with your children and you have good friends and whatever. It's very easy to forget that this is God, it's not me. Because the world might look at you and they're like, wow. He's getting his life put together. You know, things are going pretty good for him, you know, but it's God's blessing in my life. It's not, it's not me, you know, aside from God, I'm still a horrible, wretched person, but thankfully because of God and because of his blessings and, and, and his call for us, I mean, he says to be perfect. And so we do strive, to, we do strive for the spirit to perfect us and for us to be, and I, to me, the most perfect that one can be is to be surrendered to Jesus. When you mm -hmm. surrender to Jesus, that's the most perfect that you that you can or ever will be. So, it, it really, the the pinnacle and the peak of perfection in the Christian life is achieved when you when you ask Jesus into your life, and it is and that continues to go. You know, the, the moment that you're saved, the blood of Jesus washes over you, and you are you are your your sin is gone, and it can stay that way as as long as you stay you know whenever whenever you recognize that sin in your life rather than choosing to hide it and pretend live a double life recognize it saying lord forgive me you know i'm a terrible sinner that's that is the perfection that we're looking for in our lives is jesus in us not not some some sort of accomplishment or some ego that i have or some perception that people have of me and certainly our perception of ourselves if we if we can if we if we lie to ourselves um and, and try to convince ourselves that we're that we are something anything other than a sinner saved by grace, then we're then we're certainly I I think that we're that if you get to that point, maybe you never really understood the gospel in the first place mm -hmm. uh, because if if you really understand the gospel and the blood of Jesus, there's no need for any kind of uh, pretending to be anything else. You know, when you run into someone in management. So anyone in management, you're dealing with people all the time. And one of the things you're dealing with is people not doing their job. And you have to confront them and you have to deal with the issues on the job. Anyone that's ever been in the position of management, when you confront someone on a failure of theirs on the job, they knew that they had to do a certain thing a certain way at a certain time and they did not. When you confront them on it, you're going to have one of two responses. Unfortunately, most people end up starting their response with denial and excuses. And nobody wants to hear that. And it's a complete waste of time. Right. The way to get through it quickly and easily with dignity and self-respect is to simply own up to it. You know what? I completely failed there. And... I'm going to be honest, if politicians would start doing this, they would gain back our trust. Even politicians right. and lawyers could get it back. But what they would have to start doing is being honest, being forthright immediately when they fall short, when they fail. Right. They say, man, I really dropped the ball on that one. I just 100% did not do right. 
I was in the wrong and I will uh, work to not do that again. I do apologize, but I was 100% wrong there. That was my fault. That would be a breath of fresh air for every single person in management. It would literally make the HR department, it it would boil them in, in massive companies. You can knock it down to a couple people. Because right. they'd have, it's like, okay, great. Let's move on past that and uh, let's get back to work and let's have a great time. Is there anything I can do to help you achieve in your line of work, in your area from this point on? Is there something you're missing that we're not providing? That's what the conversation would move on to. But instead, it's excuses, it's defensiveness, it is. It is the same thing that you get from children a lot of times. And unfortunately, it's the same thing that you get from Christians. And when someone points out that Christians are sinners, there should be no fighting. When, when someone points out that you messed up in this area or, you know, uh, I can't believe the way that you did this. Well, that's because I'm a sinner. That's it. I'm not going to try to make an excuse if you think that I'm going to be better than this in the future, I'm not. I hope I do it less and I do try to do it less, but Christians will never be sinless. The best Christians can do is sin less. We will never be sinless, but hopefully we will sin less. See, I'm a Christian, not because I'm perfect, but I do worship a God who is. That's the reason I got on the team. So if you're waiting for a team that is perfect and sinless, I, I really haven't found that team yet. And, and I've looked at them all. I, I've looked at the... Uh, God denying, uh, human worshiping, nature worshiping evolutionists. I haven't seen them be too good either. They're not really right. that consistent. As a matter of fact, they would fit in really well with my group because we're just a bunch of sinners over here. Right. Well, that makes you. The, I think that makes you the most effective as a Christian is when you. I mean, like like Paul. Um, he he had he had taken care of the the beam that was in his eye before he went to try to pick the speck out of his brother's eye yeah he was able to call out their sin but he's like hey listen i'm the chief sinner yep so yeah i think it makes you more effective when you when you acknowledge and deal with the the sin issues in your own life uh because then it, it uh, otherwise in any time that you try to help somebody else deal with their sin if you're not dealing with your own mm-hmm. you're, you're, you are being hypocritical mm-hmm. and unfortunately the bad bad press is what we get as as a church. You know, anytime that a past you don't you don't see it on CNN where it's like uh, CNN went undercover to check up on this Southern Baptist preacher, and we found yeah. that after thirty five years of preaching that he that he still hasn't he still hasn't had any any hookers to his <laughs> to his hotel room when he was at the Southern Baptist convention. You know, th- that's not the pastor yeah. you hear about. Yeah, I I heard about these guys that they they're. <laughs> They went to a youth camp and undercover. Uh, no, they, they okay. went to a youth camp and they ordered escort uh, this girl to their youth pastor's hotel room 
just to see what he would do. Wow, a honey, <laughs> a honey pot. Yeah, that's what they call and the trap. Is a honey pot to like. It doesn't come out until like 35 years later when they're when this guy's one of the one of these youth guys yeah. grows up, tells his son that he had done it. His son goes on a podcast and talks about it. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you that news wouldn't have stayed quiet for 35 years had the pastor gone ahead and invited the hook. You got it. <laughs> yep. It would have been all over. Would have been but everywhere. They were like, oh, they would be like, oh, man, he, he turned her away at the door. Yeah. If the good and, news were bad news, it would have went around the world, you know, <laughs> 10 times a year. So, so anytime that you can catch an inconsistency or that or, or that a pastor is caught, you know, in sin and, and living a double life, of course, it makes the news everybody yeah. loves to talk about that yeah you don't hear about it you know you didn't hear when charles stanley died the other day you didn't hear them you didn't there wasn't some big big news all about his funeral and what you know that yeah. he actually lived a decent life nobody wants to talk about that no the i caleb surprisingly cnn doesn't show up whenever i go to a widow's house and work for free right uh, they just <laughs> seem to miss it every time you know i mean that's just that's not that's never gonna make the news you know nobody cares about that stuff um but like i said heaven forbid you know i run a red light one time you know or i don't know pick whatever right. you want yeah flip somebody off with the bumper sticker <laughs> yeah yeah and just okay for the record i have not flipped someone off in weeks so <laughs> no, I, mean, I can't remember the last time I did that. It was so long ago. I would like to say it was before I was saved, you know, 20 something years ago, but I have no idea uh, if it was not before that it was pretty close. <laughs> I, I do remember the last time it was actually the first oh, yeah. and the last time that I ever actually flipped somebody off. The and first and the last I was saved. Caleb, yeah, I can recall 10 times you flipped me off during our friendship. Don't tell me <laughs> <Okay>. that. <laughs> you mean an aggressive, non-joking manner. No, no, no. In traffic. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> in traffic. In traffic. Man, I haven't flipped someone off in 20 years. In traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, so this guy uh -huh. was driving a Toyota Highlander in Austin, Texas, and this mm -hmm. guy this in this uh, diesel truck was behind me, it was, and I was in the left lane, but it was like kind of a downtown stretch where there's four lanes. It's not like you're on the highway in the left lane. Mm -hmm. And this guy pulls up beside me, and he's like revving it up and like slowing down, revving it up, and like you could tell that I, it annoyed him that I was that I was where I was at. Mm -hmm. So he finally gets around me, gets up in front of me and he like slams on the brakes in front of me. And then he goes up a little ways. And then next thing you know, he's back in the right lane trying to get around some people. And my <laughs> lane starts moving fast. So now so you're I, passing him again. So as I pass him and I kind of thought, I mean, he was being a jerk, but I thought it was kind of all in good humor or whatever. I thought, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyways. So I look over at him with a big smile on my face and I flipped him the bird. Yeah. So, <laughs> and Oh man, he he went nuts. He, went nuts. he chased me all over town. I I had the police on the phone pretty soon. They were, they were trying to catch up. We, he went. He almost ran over people going through a parking lot. Went over curbs. Going no home. way. Catch up with me. Jumps out of his car. Gets a baseball bat. I like make it back out into traffic again. <laughs> anyway, it was this full on road rage for probably. 15 wow. Minutes this guy was after me. Yep. Where and, was it? What state? Anyways, Austin, Texas. Dude, but, yeah. does that guy not know that people carry guns in Texas? I know. Like, if know. you run up to my driver's side window with a baseball bat in your hands, right. I am You're shooting through the door. 
Like nobody gets outside. You, you know, you are going to be bleeding out of your ears before I ever get within arm's length of you. Like what moron is that? Save that nonsense for California and Connecticut you're, where only the criminals have these guns. Before we upload it, right? I don't edit any of this stuff. This is podcast gold. This is the reason people come on here to hear Patrick talk about future future homicides and how funny he thinks it is <laughs> okay well it might be hypocritical but if you want to edit this part off you wouldn't okay you wouldn't think less of me if i did we, yeah so yeah, we could <clears throat> this whole last part off caleb and get back to the christian version of what i heard and i hope the jurors hear when this is brought up in a trial one day that <laughs> is that patrick saw a man threatening to kill him with a baseball bat and Patrick very rationally shot to stop the threat. That's what Patrick did. Exactly. Patrick, right. Patrick's not out to kill someone. Patrick is out to protect the children that were in the backseat of his truck. How dare you suggest that I don't have the right as an American to protect the life and liberty of my children. So what I've learned is if you really want to get under someone's skin when you're driving, because for some reason, I mean, where are all the Christians in the comments? <laughs> I just want to read the comments. People aren't commenting on our videos much, and we have several people watching us live, but none of them want to get on and, and comment for whatever reason. You know what it is? Number one. Okay, one of those is my wife that just gets on YouTube and watches it and throws her phone down, and then she gets on TV and watches a you know a romantic comedy while folding laundry upstairs in her bedroom. So that's one of them. So she's not going to comment because she's not even listening to this stupid podcast. She's only doing it to try to get our numbers up. Okay, that's it. I see. And then the other two are clearly you know, the elderly or foreigners who are trapped in an airport somewhere and don't know how to use their phone. And this came up on their feed somehow. <clears throat> and uh, they don't know how to switch off of it. So that's who we're probably dealing with. Now, with that being said, when you are in traffic and someone is like just outrageously mad at you, what I've learned to do is if I have the chance is when I get up next to them and pass them, like in the scenario you were describing, I turn to them and I go and give them a big smile and a wave and they are ready to murder my family. They get so mad because they see that it doesn't bother me. Like somehow I should be as upset as they are, you know, because whatever, we're in traffic okay right you know grow up we're all in traffic no one's getting home as fast as they want so that's what i've switched over to is the big smile and wave and let me tell you it gets the reaction you want so <laughs> okay. that's well, where i've, I've just switched to not really engaging i just when I, I just figure they're probably having a bad day there's a reason for it i'm just gonna let them go mm -hmm. on their way uh yeah that was that was uh, a pretty interesting episode he's like Get out of it. Roll your window down. You're not going to get out here and fight me. I was like, dude. I fight you for what? For driving down the road? <laughs> 
Yeah, oh, it's man. it's but madness. As soon as, as, soon as um, there was a well, there was a police officer in the oncoming lane. Yeah, and uh, he the police officer went past and he quick took took a left and went down another road and he just disappeared. And I've been on the phone. I think I even pointed at one point when he came up, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm on the phone. <laughs> I was on with nine one one. In fact, I, maybe I even turned the phone where you could see it. Yeah. And anyways, yeah, I, I got his license plate and took pictures of him and stuff. I don't know what happened. They said that they had, it, it was not the first complaint that they had had with that specific driver. Oh, okay. Anyway. Well, that's good. So, so, he, so I was the normal one. <laughs> yeah, I was the aggressor. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, law enforcement's always been <clears throat> been really astute at finding you know habitual violent people and not doing anything about it. That's always right. that's been their specialty. But the good news is that the FBI and the CIA are really cracking down on uh, conservative religious people that go to school board meetings to talk about their children's own future. Uh, they're they're getting to the bottom of that ring, and they're going to break them up. And hopefully, we'll see some life sentences doled hey, out we in have, federal prison. We have uh, we have one one viewer at least somebody just commented. Oh, so they're gonna they're gonna try the smile away tactic. There you go. I'm telling you, it works. And you know what? You just feel Christian inside when you do it. I mean, it's you know you're waving and smiling. Who you know? Yes, it's antagonistic, but you know you're not giving someone the finger. So. Um, just give a really aggressive god bless you <laughs> bless you <laughs> oh man so anyway uh, yeah, yeah i know it's not one of those moments that i was proud of it was, yeah uh, that, that may actually take the cake as far as one of the most hypocritical moments in my life because i still showed up to church on sunday i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah 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 but caleb was, yeah. i've done worse things than that driving out of the parking lot of my own church to my own church people so i i don't <laughs> i think you're okay uh you know <laughs> get out okay fight, get out and fight him over the parking lot or now the par parking spot when you get inside then, then you go ahead and greet him with a kiss once you get inside well yep so i think the point we're trying to make here is Oh yeah, wait. Yeah, yeah, we were. Yeah, there was there was a Bible discussion that started out on this podcast a little while ago. Okay. In the end, I would like to just try to conclude with a couple of you know. I want to wrap this up yeah. and, and yeah, put a period on it. Okay, let's call. let's bring it home. Here we go. Someone start playing. Yeah, nearer to God. <laughs> nearer, oh God, to the. Um, as the organ music plays and we stand to our feet, let me just say. You are going to be called a hypocrite at one point in your life, or your church will be, or all of Christianity will be accused of being hypocritical at some point. That's fine. Don't let it get you down or get you upset. The person is probably just trying to find an easy reason to dismiss you and your beliefs and all of that stuff. Don't take the bait. Don't try to defend it. Say, look, this is where we're at. My church is full of sinners. We are full of horrible people that are working real hard to try to get better and live a life that would be honoring to God. Caleb, do you want to know what Christianity really is? Do you want to know what do you want to know what churches represent? Churches very much look like a narcotics anonymous meeting. Now, let me tell you something, folks, because Patrick Hayes, the pastor of the Church of Grace in Grand Junction, Colorado, is a recovering alcoholic and drug addict. 
And I'm going to tell you, I still go to those meetings. The problem in the world is not the people in the meetings. It's the drug addicts that refuse to go to the meetings. Right. Those are the ones that'll break into your homes and burglarize your car and dig through your ashtray in your car to get loose change to buy drugs with. The people in the meetings, they might not be as far along in their recovery as they'd like, but let me tell you, those are the people that are trying to do better. Those are the people that we need to applaud in society because they are in there trying. It is the people on the outside that still need the help. And it's the same with Christians. Caleb, if you saw my life prior to coming to Christ, it was a joke. There were lots of things in my life that I, I am in no way proud of. And lots of things in my life that I am grateful that my wife and children have never seen. Since I came to Christ and started reading the Bible... Those things have been changing in my life, and I have stopped doing one after another after another as God has been working on me, sanctifying me, and I have been conforming to the image and likeness of Christ. I still try, albeit poorly, to act Christ-like throughout my day. And although I fail regularly, Let me tell you, I am a lot better off than I was 25 years ago before I ever went to church or read the Bible. And folks, that's really where everyone is. So don't engage with the hypocritical accusation. Definitely don't get defensive and try to make an excuse. Just admit it. You know what? My church is full of sinners. And that's all we're ever going to be. But those people are trying to act godly. And those people are probably the most kind, loving group of people I have ever been around in my entire life. They love me. They love my family. They would take a bullet for me. And let me tell you something, folks. If you can't say that about your church, find another church. Because there are plenty of churches filled with real Christians out there. And that's the kind of church you want to be in, where you can stand there and say that to someone. Oh, they're all sinners. They're terrible. But let me tell you. I wonder how much your church paid you to say all that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we're going through another church membership drive right now, so we're trying to get our numbers up. (laughs) So anyway, with that, let me make my closing comments, and, and we'll be done. Um, thank you everyone for joining the Bible Thumper podcast where somebody's got to say it. Caleb, thank you for coming on. You're always a great blessing and a lot of fun to have on here and talk with. And folks, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Google, on Apple, on Spotify, uh, anywhere you listen to a podcast, go ahead and get on there and search for the Bible Thumper podcast. We have, eh, I don't know, somewhere under 200 episodes on there. And uh, if you get on there, you'll also find uh, different series of 
preaching. So at my church, the Church of Grace in Grand Junction, Colorado, we go through a book at a time. So we just finished the book of Jonah and we put up all the audio from those sermons. So if you want to study through the book of Jonah and you want to hear me teach the Bible, you can get on there and you can find that. We're currently going through the book of Amos. And when we're done with that, we're going to compile all the audio and we'll put it up all at once. So it'll be on there and you can listen through that Bible teaching. You can also listen to Caleb and I once a month, get on and talk about a different subject. My friend Zach King, he gets on there once a month with me. And then my wife, Joanna, she gets on the podcast once a month and we talk about uh, Christian family and having kids and raising kids and stuff like that. Along with that, you can contact me at BibleThumperPodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I always love to hear your encouraging comments. The nice thing is that the crazy people that are off their medication, they seem to only make comments in the comment section on YouTube. The people that actually like this podcast, they go ahead and email me their comments and they are always encouraging to hear. And I always respond to those emails. So please go ahead and drop us a line. If you have a suggestion as far as what you'd like us to talk about in the future, just go ahead and send it to us in an email. We will take that seriously. We'll put something together and we'll get on here and we'll talk about that. So with that, uh, thank you for joining us. Have a great week and come back on either Facebook or YouTube every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. And you can watch these videos live with Caleb and myself as we talk about the Bible. You can make comments and we will uh, answer questions that you have or we will acknowledge the comments. Thank you, Lori. Uh, you guys are driving right now and you're going to try the little smile and wave tactic that we suggested. So I hope that goes well for you. And as always, folks, uh, express your second amendment right to keep and bear arms, keep one in the chamber, in your car for the next time you run into a crazy man that approaches your car with a baseball bat, uh, asking if you'd kindly get Check out so he could your murder you. Before you have one in the chamber, in your car. <laughs> yeah, I think that's nonsense. I don't care. Get Get ready, Utah. Every time I travel through your state, I got one in the chamber. Go ahead and take my gun and write me a ticket. I don't care. You're morons for that stupid law, and I am happy to say it. Okay, so I am going to live in Colorado where we still have more rights than most states, and as soon as they start to infringe upon them, I will be moving to Idaho or Texas where I can carry guns like an American everywhere I go. Where were we going? Something about... I don't remember. Oh, we were we were talking about the pool that we have going to see how long until federal law enforcement shuts down this podcast. So you're in that pool for what, three more months? You thought no more than three, four months and the ATF or the FBI will be asking us questions. You were you were like you you had like three words left in your closing statement. <laughs> oh, and then we Yeah. Hey, and then I just gave you that bit of advice for free. Okay. So that count that as a blessing folks that, that I didn't charge nothing for that, that little extra bit about the second amendment and carrying one in the chamber. Okay. That's, that's just what you get when you come to the Bible thumper podcast. So the important thing to remember is that if you work for the NSA, Caleb has been complicit in this whole conversation. That is the takeaway for tonight. Okay. So you need to go down there to wacko Texas and, and give him a hard time too. So, yeah, the, the, the moral of the story is Jesus loves you and keep one in the chamber. <laughs> 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 to tell us tonight. 
Uh, okay, man, I'm shutting her down. Thank you, everyone, for coming. We will talk to you next week. Have a great week, and we appreciate you listening.